0: Welcome to the NPFCC Messages Podcast. This podcast is one in a series on prayer, where we explore how prayer is the communication that keeps us connected, empowered, and growing in our relationship with God. Our hope is that this series helps you view and practice prayer in a brand new way, we also want to point you to a supplemental resource designed specifically for your life group to process this together. So visit practicingtheway.org prayer to run this prayer practice. Again, that's practicingtheway.org prayer. We hope this message blesses you.
1: Oh, and now I get to transition into one of the, the parts of our prayer series that um, is simple, but not to be misunderstood is easy. Um and as we're diving in, I hope that you are enjoying it. Um, you know, last week we talked about listening and I heard the story of a man who was talking to his family doctor. And he went in and he was confiding in his family doctor. He says, You know, doc, I, I I'm I'm worried that my wife is losing her hearing. And and he said, you know, I I don't know what to do. And the doctor says, well, that that's easy. He says, uh, when you go home today, when 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 her, you know, when she, her back is to you, he says, just you know, about fifteen feet away, just ask her a question, see if she responds. If she doesn't respond, move a little closer. If she doesn't respond, and keep doing that until she responds, and then we'll see how how she's doing. And so he he got home, and she was in the kitchen, and he walks up behind her and he and about 15 feet away he just says what's for dinner no response he walks up uh, about five feet more you know and he says hey hey honey what's for dinner no response He, he walked a little closer he got up to about five feet behind her he says hey what's for dinner no response he's thinking this is worse than i thought And so he gets right behind her, and with a little louder voice, he says, what's for dinner? And she turned around and she said, for the fourth time, chicken. (laughs) Sometimes, (laughs) you're only laughing because this happens in your house, (laughs) Um, (laughs) Opposite mind. Oh, oh! Sometimes we think that it's God who's hard of hearing, but in reality, what we recognize is we're the ones that struggle to hear His voice, don't we? And I've been praying. I've been praying this week that you would be able to hear the voice of God. You you come in every week and you graciously get to listen to me or one of our other pastors, and and we're blessed by that, but. More than hearing anything from me, the desire every week is that you would hear from the creator of the universe, from the one who has created us and loves us, the one that gives us life and breath, the one that sustains us in everything. And, and he doesn't, he, he's not out there. He's not far away asking questions. He, he's, he's, he's not 15 feet away. He's not 10 feet away. He's not five feet away. He is with us, and his desires to live in us, and he wants to be with us. And, and, and we're in this series on prayer, and this is week four, and I feel like we're just barely beginning to cr- scratch the surface. I feel like, like we could just keep going on and on, and I don't know how you're doing, you know, in week one, we, we looked at what prayer was in its most basic form. If you talk to most people, what's prayer? They say, oh, you know, it's talking to God, it's, it's talking with God. And we talked about, um, how we talk to God and we gave everybody the pray acrostic. And, and many of you I know have been using that and we take time to pee praise, right? And we, we let God know, like, that we understand who He is. Not, not just what He's done, but who He is. And then we are repent, um, and, and we, we give our sins to Him and let Him cleanse us so that we can Restore the relationship we have with Him. Then we a ask God for anything and everything His Word says, and He wants us to ask. And then why yield? And I know a lot of people are saying that's the part I'm struggling with is yielding to Him. It, it's it's to give over our wills and our hearts and our lives to God. And we invited you over the last several weeks to begin to develop a rhythm, a foundation of a life of prayer because prayer is not just something you kind of throw on things We we want you to establish a rhythm a way of doing life that is prayerful and the last week we expanded our prayer um you know we started off with five minutes and and i don't know how you guys are doing with that how's everybody doing five minutes morning and evening yeah, and, and and I got I got to tell you, there were a lot of times over the last couple of weeks that I have like struggled with that. Um, there's some days where you know five minutes seems like forever, and some days where five minutes seems like you know obviously it's not enough. And, and then last week, last week we doubled it, right? We said, okay, last week we jumped into listening to God, where we stop talking, and we tune into what God is saying to us. So how did that go? Did did you hear from him? My prayer all week has been that you would hear from him. And and I'm, I'm excited to hear the things that God would be saying to you and then how then you're responding to that. You know, it's not that talking to God is wrong or something that we grow past. We still need to talk to him. He wants to hear from you. We have we have a God who who longs to hear your voice and he wants to be with you. But but we also we, we but if we do all the talking we're missing out on the reality that God is speaking to us. That God is always speaking to us and we just have to tune in. And if he is the king of kings and the lord of lords, the creator and redeemer and our loving father, well what he has to say is much more important. And like anything else, prayer is a practice that we get better at when we practice. And the goal of this series has not been to, like, make you experts in prayer. The the goal of this series has been to give you some tools to say, come on, let's go. Let's continue learning what it means to be people of prayer. And the working definition that we have been using for prayer is this. Prayer is the communication that keeps us connected, empowered, and growing in our relationship with God. I'm going to read that again for some of you who maybe haven't been with us. Prayer is the communication that keeps us connected, empowered, and growing in our relationship with God. Prayer is all about relationship, right? It's not all about, you know, throwing out an SOS, you know, so that God will throw us a lifeline. It's not all about getting what we want. It's not all about that. It's about relationship with God at its very core. And this is so, so very important for us to understand that prayer is not a religious practice that we do to make God happy with us, It's not so that we can like get the things that we want or think we need from God. Prayer is how we get to know God. And in getting to know him, we become more like him. You know, as relationships grow, so does the communication. Um, At the beginning of every relationship, uh, there's a lot of talking. There's a lot of words. And I think I've, I've shared with you, like, like when, when I first started dating Brenda, like, we, we could get on the phone. We could talk for hours, right? We could just talk and talk and talk and talk for hours and hours. And then that, that wasn't enough. And so I, we would write letters back when that was a thing, right? And, and we would just, more words, more words, and we would just talk and talk and talk. And, um, and, and that's usually what happens in the beginning part of a relationship is there's just lots of words and we could fill hours and pages with words. As the relationship grows, however, we have to get better at not just sharing words, but really listening, right? Mo- most of the difficulties in our marriage relationship are typically because I'm not listening, right? Because I don't listen well. And and so we we have to work at this thing called listening. We have to get better at listening. And that's a growth in a relationship is when you can listen well. I can even go to Home Depot now and hear my wife's voice all the way there. (laughs) Right? It's amazing, you know, when I'm going, I'm going to buy that tool. And I can hear her voice telling me how that is not the best, (laughs) right? So we learn to listen. We learn to listen more. And and, and then we grow past listening to just being together. In uh, the Practicing the Way Guide to Prayer that's available on our resource page, um, you can get, there's QR codes that's even on the little handout thing, you have all these resources about prayer. And then the guide, it says this, it says, "As a general rule, you can gauge the intimacy in a relationship by how comfortable you are being alone and silent together." You know, I, I remember, again, when we, when we started dating, there's just words, 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 now, and, and this will probably happen this afternoon as we drive to San Luis Obispo to see our daughter and our granddaughter and our son-in-law, we, we, can, we can go for two hours and say very little, but just enjoy being together. And that's, that's what we want to see happen in our relationship with God. Again, not that the words are bad and we do need to listen. We need to talk, we need to listen, but there comes a time when we just want to be with God. God and so today we want to talk about this deepening aspect of our prayer life, which is just being with God. Several years ago, um, Dan Rather, the, the news anchor, um, he had an interview with Mother Teresa, and he asked Mother Teresa, right? I mean, he was always known for these probing questions, and he asked Mother Teresa. He said, um, "Mother Teresa, he says, I, I, I've been dying to ask you this. He says, when you pray." What do you say to God? And she replied, I don't say anything. I listen. And you could tell that he got a little flustered, which n- normally wasn't, didn't happen to him. And so he kind of regrouped his thoughts and then he says, well, well, then when God says something, um, or, or then he says, then when you listen, what, what does God say? And she replied, well, he doesn't say anything. He just listens. <laughs> and when you think about that that, that, that is what, that is really what we're after. I mean, so if no one's talking, what's going on there, right? If no one's talking, what, I mean, what do we do? I, I mean, maybe we do nothing, but we do it together. The early church fathers practiced what they called beholding prayer. Um, it, the goal here was to simply behold. Just to behold. Just to look upon God by simply being in his presence. King David, who was called the man after God's own heart, talked about it this way. He says in Psalms 27.4, he says this, he says, the one thing I ask from the Lord This only do I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, that I might gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. The one thing that the man after God's own heart wanted more than anything else was to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to just gaze some translations, older translations, especially, instead of gaze, they use this word to behold. It, it means to to simply just look at, to behold. And, and, and I was, you know, I was thinking a lot about this this week, and I had the chance yesterday. I, I had our, our little granddaughter um, Paisley, and um, lately she's been scared of me because I'm loud. Um, and so what I've had to learn, you know, when, when I come in and I'm like, oh, babe, you know, she's like, whoa, like, you know, and she'll cry, she'll get this little pouty face and she'll cry. And so, um, so what I've had to learn is I've had to just learn to approach her in quiet. And, and, and to take the quick little hand off and just be quiet and not say anything for a couple minutes. And when I don't say anything for a couple minutes and she gets comfortable with me, then I can start to communicate to her and she doesn't cry, right? But but I just need to take time to just, and, and I was thinking about this, and, I, and I'm just standing there and I'm just looking. For those of you who have babies um, around the house, you know, you can just stare at them for hours, right? You just stare. You're just like, wow, like, look at, look at this little life. And, and, and that's kind of a feeling of what this is about. It's just about being with. It's about recognizing. It's about gazing. And that's what David's saying. I just want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. Now, at the same time, David in Psalms 139, 23, he, he says this. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Not, not just, hey, God, hear my words, hear what I'm asking you. But Lord, know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So on one hand, there's this, he just wants to gaze upon God. He just wants to behold God and behold his beauty. And on the other side, he's opening himself up and saying, Lord, Lord, know me. Look at me. And then he's inviting him in to know his heart. And to know all the anxiousness in his life. And so we're both asking God, like, Lord, I just want to be hold, but then I also just want to be seen. I want to just be in this relationship where I am with him. During the Middle Ages, this became known as contemplative prayer. And the idea of contemplation is found in the New Testament. It's uh, the verse that Devin shared with us this morning in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And it says this, and we'll unpack this just a little bit. It says, now the Lord is spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit." Now, now, when he talks in here, he says, hey, we all, that, so that's all of us, all of us who know and who are seeking relationship with God, he says, all of us who with unveiled faces, and it's a its a re- reference back to something that happened in the Old Testament. For those of you who maybe grew up in church or are students of the Bible, you, you'll remember the story how um, Moses goes up to Mount Sinai, remember, and he gets the Ten Commandments, <clears throat> While he's there, the people go crazy, right? God said, okay, Moses, you come up the mountain. I'm, I'm going to give you the commands. He goes up the mountain. God says, hey, you better get back down there because those people, yeah, they got crazy, right? And they, he goes down They're worshiping a golden calf, and he slams the Ten Commandments down on the ground and breaks them into pieces. And it's like, it's this symbol of like, you've already like broken, like you don't even have the covenant yet, and you've already broken it. And he's like, and so, you know, there's this whole thing going on and, 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 and there's this weird, like several chapters of this, of this kind of pause where the people are living outside of relationship with God and it's kind of tense and Moses and God are even having this conversation and Moses is like, God, you're telling me to lead these people, but you're not even telling me like what I'm supposed to do here. Now. And so God goes, hey, come back up on the mountain. And he comes back up on the mountain and for 40 days... It says for 40 days, he's up on the mountain with God and, and he gets the second copy of the Ten Commandments, right? And then, so he gets a second copy. Now, this time, when he comes back down the mountain, um, what he doesn't realize is that his face is glowing. His face is radiant, right? His, his face is filled with the glory of God. And the people are scared to death. The, the, the people are scared to death of God's presence and of his glory. And so what does Moses do? He, he And so that the people won't be afraid, he he puts a veil over his face so that the people won't be afraid of him. And then there, and then as the story goes on, it says that, that Moses would have this little tent outside the camp and that Moses would wear this veil so that the people wouldn't be afraid of the presence of God. And then when Moses would go out to this cult tent of meeting, this place where he would go and meet with God, he would take the veil off so that he could meet with God again. And then his face would glow again. You know, I don't know if you've ever had those cool little things where you put them by the light and they start glowing. And then you, you, they glow for a while and then they fade out. That was Moses' face, right? Moses would like go ne- near God and he would get radiant with the presence of God, which I think is really cool. And it's part of what we want to think about today is the fact that in God's presence, his glory, his radiance actually like it actually can rub off on us. And 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 so this like glory of God, it's almost like it's rubbing off on Moses and his face is glowing, but the people are freaking out. So he puts a veil on and then when he goes back with God, he takes off the veil so that he can be personal with God so that there's nothing between him and God. And, and, And I think that's a huge thing for us because the question for all of us is this, is that I want you to just ponder for a moment this morning is this is what are the veils that you are wearing even as you approach God in prayer you know e- e- even though God is the omniscient almighty omnipotent one what where, where are you holding back what are the veils what are the things that are still between you and God what are the things that you just hold back from that you don't share because like the children of Israel, you're afraid. That in the presence of God, you're fearful. And I think this whole passage is this idea that we want to be able to approach the God, like Hebrews says, with confidence. We come before God and we say, hey, like I can take the veil off. And I can just be with God in his presence. And when I'm with him in his presence, like his glory, his presence can like rub off on me. And we'll dive into this a a, a little bit more here. So um, then he says, uh, we all who with unveiled faces, so we've taken off the veil, we're in God's presence, right? He says, contemplate, right? Contemplate. So with unveiled faces, we contemplate the Lord's glory, this word for contemplate in the Greek, it's katosizo, which is really hard to pronounce, but it means, again, it means to gaze or to stare at. So it's just like you're just looking at, and, and actually, again, older translations use the word behold. You're just beholding. You're just looking into the face of God. And what are we contemplating? It tells us God's glory. Okay, the, the, the Lord's glory. So the best defin, definition for glory really is this idea of the radiant presence, right? It's actually kind of like this presence of God you can see, right? That's why when, when you see pictures, you know, of, of, of God and everything, everything's glowing, right? It's because it's the best way that we can describe, like it's this like radiance of his presence. And, and, and so the, because presence radiates, you know how I know this? Because um, our, our uh, daughter Shelby, when she was really little, she was the one who was the crazy early riser. She was the one that would get up crazy early in the morning. And um, she would like just, quiet, and she was stealth, man. She was just the, she, was, she still is. She's our quiet one, but she gets up super early. And, and she would come into our bedroom And you you never even knew it. And she would just get in her bedroom. But her favorite thing to do um, was she would just come and stand by the bed this close and just stare at you. Right? How many of you have experienced that before, right? Okay. Like, there is this thing about presence that is real. I'm in a dead sleep. And Brenda could go, when I'm asleep, man, I am asleep. And Shelby is just standing there, like right here, and I'm in this dead sleep, and then all of a sudden, you sense and you feel this little presence. As cute as it is, I would open my eyes and go, "What?" You're like, right? It's like right there in your face. You know why? Because presence is not just like a word. Presence is like a reality, and so what we want to be, we want to be in that place where we're in God's presence, where we feel the presence of the Lord is is with us. And so we contemplate his glory. Now, here's the really interesting part. This is the, the what, what's really cool and why this is so important in our relationship with him. Because it says we contemplate the Lord's glory, and then it goes on in the passage, and it says, um, and so all of us who are with unveiled faces are contemplating the Lord's glory, he says, are being, Rick, if you can put that passage back up, um, 2 Corinthians, he says, we are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. So, so here's the thing, is this being in God's presence does something. This being in God's presence it actually is transformative. It says we are being transformed into his image. And we, we've talked quite a bit, I think, on this passage, this, uh, this idea of transformation, this word metamorphos, you know, it, it's where we get our word metamorphoso that, that's like, hey, it's not just like, hey, like it's just kind of like something different change. It's like a full scale, like everything changes right? And, and so it's like God is changing us, transforming us as we contemplate, as we sit in his presence, as we soak in God's presence, as we let his glory radiate in this place and we're in his presence. It is transformative for our lives and changes us completely. And what's it changes to? It changes us into his image, which is really fascinating Because maybe Plato was right. Plato, way, way back, right? Plato said this. Plato said, We become what we contemplate. And and, and 2 Corinthians says, Well, when you contemplate the Lord, you are transformed into his image. I'm like, Plato's just catching up, right? To what God has said. It's like, that, that when we contemplate the Lord, we become transformed into his image. And so the question that we wrestle with today is this, is we know we want to and we're supposed to contemplate the Lord and contemplate his glory, but here's the, here's the question. What do you contemplate? My dad always had this funny thing. He always said, are you just contemplating your navel? I still don't know what that means. Right? But, but what do you contemplate? I mean, do, do you spend most of your time gazing at, fill in the blank, right, social media? Uh, you, you, your new source of choice? A favorite video game? Pornography? I, I, I guarantee you, if this is true then what you contemplate, what you gaze at, what you spend time looking into, it it will impact, it will change your life. And I see this happening all around us. We we see this in our world. We talk about this here even all the time. People who watch too much news, for instance, they become anxious, cranky, and judgmental, and negative people. It's just true. And for those of you who just said, I do not. (laughs) Right? Because it's just so true. People who spend too much time on social media, they become obsessed with what other people think, and they get pulled into this comparison trap that leads them into a negative self-image. And when you have a negative self-image, you feel not accepted. And that's one of the things that this idea of being with and spending time with God is, is there to reverse, is God wants to say, you are accepted. And I guarantee you, the more time that you spend just with God and in his presence, the more you will understand how God ha- accepts you as his child. And in that acceptance... There is peace. So you might contemplate all these other things, but do you spend time contemplating, beholding God? Because if we want to be transformed into the image of God and allow his love, his joy, his peace to become the dominant characteristics of our lives, then we must spend time letting that rub off on us. And you can't do that when you're just talking at God. And God will not download for you. Like if you go, Lord, I just need peace. He's not going to download for you a recipe on how you can create peace. What he's going to do is he's going to say, I am your peace. So spend time with me. And as you spend time with me, my peace, which is part of who he is, will rub off on you. It sounds crazy, but for you as parents who are really struggling with your children, right? And you, I, I mean, and you know you love them, you're just struggling with like, like how much? <laughs> 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 but here's, here's what I guarantee you is true. Because here's what I know about th- those of you who have children. You are like busy to the nth degree. But if you will spend time In contemplation, if you will spend time in being in God's presence, then the God who is love will transform your heart and will you, and and his love will rub off on you. He's not going to just tell you, you have to do this to be loving. He's going to say, be in my presence and my love, my love will transform you. My presence will transform you. But we are so caught up into the fact that we have to do it. No, you don't. You just have to be in God's presence and let him do it in you. And that's what this is all about. Now, remarkably, um, even neuroscience acknowledges the power of contemplation. Um there's a book, um, and I actually like down- download this, and there's a really good synopsis actually in the Washington Post book review uh, um that you can get really quickly. It's of this book called How God Changes Your Brain by uh, a neuroscience, two guys named Andrew Newberg and a guy named um Mark Robert Waldman. And they in, in their book, um they, they have this amazing stuff that that and again I that they're they're understanding what is true and what the Bible already says, right? But here's what they say, they say If you contemplate God long enough, something surprising happens in the brain. Neural functioning begins to change. I mean, just just sit with that for a second. If you contemplate God long enough, something surprising happens in the brain. Neural functioning begins to change when you contemplate God. He says, different circuits become activated while others become deactivated. How many of you know you need some circuits in your brain to be deactivated? Amen? Yes. And and, and here's the thing. Even these top neuroscientists like, you know, the University of Pennsylvania are telling us, like, hey, if you contemplate God, he'll rewire your brain. Right? Just through contemplation. And he says, um, new, new dendrites, which are things I don't even understand. Okay. But they're connection things are formed. Um, and new synaptic connections are made. And the brain becomes more sensitive to subtle realms of experience. He, he's just saying, Hey, look, as we contemplate God, he's going to rewire our brain. They go on. And this is really interesting. He says, long term contemplation of God appears to permanently change the structure of those parts of the brain that control our moods. Like that's worth reading again, so I will. Long-term contemplation of God appears to permanently change the structure of those parts of our brain that control our moods. So if you're in a bad mood, contemplate, right? Like spend time with, with it says, man, it, it will control our moods. And then it says it gives rise to our conscious notions of self and shape our sensory perceptions of the world. By contemplating God long-term, it helps us see the world differently. It helps change your mood. Then the last thing they said is this that really caught my attention. It says, contemplative practices strengthen a specific neurological circuit that generates peacefulness, social awareness, and compassion for others. As I read that, I just, I kept reading that and going like, okay, I really, what's a Contemplative practice strengthens a specific neurological circuit that generates peacefulness, social awareness, and compassion for others. And I thought, that's the solution for the craziness that our world is in. Right? If we will contemplate God and He will change these neurological circuits in our head that will generate peacefulness, but check this out social awareness. I mean, we're running around with zero social awareness. We just say whatever we want to say, and we say whatever divides us, and we say whatever's on our mind, right? And then he says, and compassion for others. And I just thought, man, wouldn't the world be a better place if we would just all stop and contemplate God? So basically, neuroscience is catching up to what the Bible teaches us, that when we contemplate God, it changes us at the core of our being to be more and more like him. So, in a few minutes that we have left, how do we do this? I'm only going to give you two things, right? Like I said, it's simple not to be confused with easy. The first is this, be still. It's hard, isn't it? Almost everything in our culture rages against this. We all seem to think that we are like sharks, that if we stop moving, we'll die. <laughs> Instead, we have, bought in, we have bought into lives marked with hurry, and we are all reaping the consequences of that. Stress and anxiety, disconnected relationships, poor mental health, poor emotional and physical health as well, and impoverished spiritual lives. There's a really good book that I have to read over and over again. It's called When I Relax, I Feel Guilty. Because it's true. Even as a pastor, like when I, when I relax, when I, when I even take time to get away and to just spend time with God. Like, I feel guilty. Like, but there's more to do. There's sinners that need to be saved. There's church programming to do. There's all these things. Like, we got to do, like, right? We're just programmed for, like, this thing in our lives is just, like, all about doing. Carl Jung once said, hurry is not from the devil. Hurry is the devil. And you all know it's true. Right? So what do we do about that? Well, God commands us in Psalms 46.10. He says this. He says, be still and know that I am God. Like, let's just say that first sentence together. Be still and know that I am God. I would encourage all of you just at once, memorize that so that it just comes over and over, that it just like speaks out naturally. You already almost have it memorized, right? Be still and know that I am God. When you catch yourself being stressed and anxious and busy, just repeat that. Be still and know that I am God. When I think it all depends on me, I need to remember be still and know that He is God. But I got to tell you, this verse is my kryptonite. I struggle desperately with stillness, stillness makes me uncomfortable. And and so I have to create pathways in my life. I have to create times and places where I can be still. The word for still in in this Hebrew word is rafa, which means to cease or to stop. And so my encouragement to you is to ask this question, what is it that I can stop doing? A few years ago, you know, at the beginning of the year when you're making all of your, like, you know, resolutions and things, one of the ones that I read and, and I keep thinking about over and over again, I'm not really good at doing it, is instead of making your to-do list, make your to-don't list. What are the things that you can stop doing that, that aren't going to change a lot if you just stop doing those things? And, and try to say no so that you can say yes to what is better. The Latin word translated there is the word bacchus, which really is where we get our word to vacate or to vacation. I'm like, oh, vacation with God. I like that idea. But to go on little mini vacations with the Lord, right? We need to find time to stop. What I realized as I really contemplated this verse is this is that if I cannot be still, I cannot know God. It says, be still and know that I'm God. So if I can't be still, I can't really know him. If I cannot say no to something so that I can unclutter my life and spend even a few moments in stillness with the Lord, I will starve my relationship with him. And so I have to learn to say no. The other verse that Devin read already this morning in Matthew chapter seven, verse 21 to 23, you know, which again, same thing. It's, it's terrifying. It's terrifying for me as a passer when it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven because isn't that all what we're after, right? We're trying to get to heaven. <laughs> and we're busy trying to get there. But in the process, we're, we're, you realize what you're going to do there, right? You realize what you're going to do there? You're going to be in his presence. You're going to be in his presence forever. We should probably practice this. Because what if you aren't comfortable in God's presence? Heaven could be rough for you. (laughs) You're supposed to be in his presence. And, And so... He says, you know, we're, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who, do, who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And then he says, many will say to me on that day, right, when we meet him, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? The things they were doing were not bad things, for sure. Prophecy, driving out demons, miracles, anybody in the room done those things, Right? Like, these guys were, like, on the, on the A-list of, like, religious practices, like, doing, doing great things. They weren't evil things, yet Jesus said that they were evil doers. And so could it be that it was, they were simply evil in their continual doing, even of good things? Does that sound like anybody's calendar? You have a calendar filled with good things. Your schedule is full, but we're starving our souls. And Jesus says to those people, I never knew you. And what we must do if we're really truly going to know him is we need to learn to be still, to find a place free of distraction And just be still. Uh, Make an appointment with God each morning. Or maybe as you're practicing those prayer times, because here's the thing, when, when, when the sermon series on prayer ends, it doesn't mean that you stop doing those things. Right? You continue to work these things out and you continue to try these more and more. That's why we're inviting you to come with us next Saturday morning um, to do the prayer experience with us and then next Sunday night as we're going to gather together in times of worship and prayer because we need to now, now that we've been learning this, we need to practice it more and more. And we need to practice being still. Find a place. Here's what I want to encourage you to do is find a place A couple times a day to just stop, right? Remember, that's what cease all your other doing and just be still in the presence of God. Find a, find a chair in your home, a chair in your backyard, a bench at a park, a, a, a place, you know, maybe at work you walk outside and you find a spot where you can just sit for a few moments and spend time in God's presence learning to close everything else out and just be in his presence, to gaze on the glory of the Lord, to just say, Lord, like we said, Lord, I, I'm here. I just want to know you. Maybe it's to go sit on a rock near a stream or, or find a spot on a hill somewhere and to just sit and be with the Lord. You know, my, I'll, I'll tell you, my, my wife's better at this than I am a lot of times in the morning, she'll just be sitting quietly. You know, she, she has, I I always walk out and I smile because I think, okay, she's, she's just having coffee with the Lord this morning. She's just quietly sitting with the Lord this morning. And, and I would encourage you like then, then take times during your week where you might find an extended time to just be with him. Just be quiet. Maybe, and, and, and don't, Here's what I encourage you to do is don't try to attach this to your other prayer, like your five or ten minutes of prayer time. Just find a time where you can just be quiet, right? And and you're not talking, you're not even mentally like telling God stuff. Right. This is the hard part. This is where it goes from like, it's, it's, it's simple, but it's not easy. It just to be able to quiet your, quiet your mind and just say, Lord, I just want to see. I do this real, I, I do this better outside because I just, I'm, I'm gazing and I'm realizing who God is and what he's capable of. And, and, and I, I and I can look past just the stuff into just like, okay, God is here and he's with me, and he wants to be with me. And so just be still. Jesus modeled this for us. In Luke 5, 16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And then he invited his disciples to do it with him. In Mark 6, 31, he said, he told them, "Come um, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. It's the practice of what Henry Nouwen called wasting time with God. So be still. The second thing real quickly is this. Focus on him. Not, don't focus on everything else. Don't focus on, you know, it's hard. You, you will get thoughts. You will be distracted. There will be thoughts that pop into your mind. And the best thing to do when those happen is acknowledge them. Just acknowledge it and then just set it away. And just Keep trying. I love what A.W. Tozer said this. He says, Faith is not a once-done act, but a continuous gaze of the heart at the triune God. Believing, then, is directing the heart's attention to Jesus. It is lifting the mind to behold the Lamb of God. One of the passages in scripture that I've just been loving this week as I've been studying this is, um, is actually found in part of the Christmas story. It's towards the end after the shepherds come in Luke chapter 2 verse 19. And you may recall this if, if you've read the Christmas story a lot. It says, and Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. We, we, I read that every Christmas and I think, oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. And I'm like, but what does that mean to ponder? And and I think that pondering is a cousin to wander or tinker. The word literally means to connect with. It's connecting with God. It's connecting the dots. I can imagine that Mary, think about all she had been through an angel shows up and tells her what's gonna happen they go through all the craziness and she has to go away for a while and then she comes back and then they travel you know because of the taxing and they travel to Bethlehem and all these things are happening and all the while God is building the Savior of the world in her womb and at this moment when finally things are quiet she ponders and i think she she starts to connect the dots and sees how god has worked and all that god has done and how blessed she is to just be part of the story so will you plan some time this week to just meet up to connect with jesus even if it's just for a couple minutes in the practicing the way guide, it just says, if you can do two minutes, you're doing great, right? So again, we're not we're not talking about this massive thing like you know you've got to like become a monk or a hermit or something and go live in a cave. It's like no, just in the middle of your day, take a few minutes to just be quiet, quiet your heart, and be in His presence brother lawrence um, who wrote the book practicing the presence of jesus says this we must know before we can love and in order to know god we must think of him often and when we come to love him we shall think of him often for our hearts will be with our treasure It's on your sheet, take it home, read that over and over again. It'll get deeper and deeper as your week goes. Is he your treasure? Because if he is, you won't have a problem focusing on him. Because folks, the goal is relationship. The goal is union with God. The problem that we face is that we want to include God in our lives instead of desiring to be part of his. So will you take time? And so to th- this morning as we close the service, we're gonna do something a little different. I know we've been throwing lots of different at you the last few weeks, but we're just gonna do something a little bit different this morning. Because I want you to just take a couple of minutes, right? Because like we've said, if you can't do it in here, you probably won't do it out there. So, I want you to just take a couple minutes. And if you need to, you know, move from where you are and go sit somewhere else, that's fine. If you need to come, if you would like prayer, we'll have a couple, some of our elders that'll come up and they'll pray with you. But just sit, be quiet, and just be in his presence. Focus your mind on him and enjoy being with Jesus. Let me pray for you and then just sit. Our Heavenly Father, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you love us. Father, help us to know your presence and transform us through your glory. We pray this in
0: Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the NPFCC Messages podcast. If this message blessed you in any way and you'd like to learn more about our church, you can visit us online at NPFCC.org. Again, that's NPFCC.org. To support the ongoing work of our ministry, you can make a donation at NPFCC.org. But be blessed and may the Spirit empower you to actualize this message today.